Mahale. What's up, everybody? It's Albert Campa, Cantina MX Podcast. I am going solo tonight. So let me tell all the peeps here on Twitter. Everyone else is busy. Joel is in the motherland of España. Other people are indisposed, traveling, driving through unknown parts. About to announce on Twitter that we are podcasting, or I am podcasting. And some topics that we're going to go over. This LA Times article. That uh, first got notified of it by Tom Marshall. Let me bring up his tweet. Uh, basically, it's an article about uh, Mexican Americans who are trying to make it in the United States who live in the strong Hispanic uh, areas, strong Hispanic cities in the U.S. And end up going to play, look for opportunities to play in Mexico. We know that uh, Jonathan Gonzalez has done this. Other Mexican-Americans have done this as well. El Homie Castillo, Hercules Gomez. Uh, who else? Miguel Ponce is with Chivas. Uh, a pretty good list. I think uh, the latest who actually switched was Jonathan Gonzalez, which is the latest example. But let's look at this uh, article here real quick. A really well-written, fascinating story. Tom says, the only thing I think worth adding is that from what I hear, there are actually fewer U18 dual Mexican-U.S. nationals moving to Mexico because of FIFA Article 19. Minors from U.S. are struggling to register with FMF. Uh, So maybe Mexican-Americans are having a difficult time in Mexico as well. Uh, they think it's difficult with the pay-to-play. A lot of people are complaining. Uh, our friend Nate Aborrea, um tweeted as well about this, the pay-to-play issue in the United States. But they go to Mexico, and then there's this whole Article 19 issue. So it's not as easy as it seems. The article has a one of the players who is with the Querétaro club, uh, Dani Pulido. I believe he's 20 years old. 20 years old, which is sort of sort of up there in age. Um, I believe he's 20. And, and to be in the second or, or whatever division of Querétaro's youth teams, um, you know, it's, he might be 19, actually. Uh, you know, that's not, not too promising. My whole issue with this, and I tweeted just earlier about it, is that Mexico is a country of soccer where everyone's playing soccer and the youth is into soccer. Uh, For the United States to have youth loving soccer and playing soccer, they have to be Hispanic. They have to be in a Hispanic, a largely Hispanic area where there's plenty of Mexicans, plenty of uh, Mexican parents, uh, adult fans who are from Mexico who want to coach, uh, like in this example in the LA Times article, uh, but that's not every place. That's, you know, Los Angeles, certain concentrations of 
high concentrations of Mexicans, but it's not every place. And even those places that do have high concentrations like LA, you have the NFL, you have the Raiders, you have the Rams, you have uh, the LA Lakers, you have all these other attractions where even these young Mexican Americans who speak fluent in English have friends who are LeBron James fans. They're going to enjoy, you know, they're going to have, these distractions and they're going to go out for these other players. Uh, the, the comment I had on Nate Abogea's tweet was that there hasn't been a history of great Mexican-Americans that have made a huge impact. Every Mexican-American except for the recent Jonathan Gonzalez uh, that has chosen or made a choice between Mexico and the U.S. has chosen the U.S. because they have a better chance of making a U.S. national team or the World Cup than they do with Mexico. That is, it is easier to be on the Mex- on the U.S. national team than it is to make a Mexican national team. Mexico has more depth. Mexico has more greater players, and a Mexican-American will not try and not attempt to make the Mexican national team when they can make the U.S. national team easier. Now, the Jonathan Gonzalez case is a little bit different because the U.S., sort of disregarded him. And for a change, Mexico made a decision to show him some love and give him some respect, where in other cases, El Homi Castillo was called up, I believe, and then disregarded. Other players weren't even looked at. I think Miguel Ponce was looked at in his youth and then disregarded. Uh, And that could very well happen. I can see it happening with Jonathan Gonzalez. All the hype is there right now, but later on when he doesn't fully pan out, uh, you know, he could end up, you know, just being forgotten. The Mexican-American pool is not large enough there and not uh, the potential for talent isn't high like it is uh, with uh, Mexican kids growing up in a soccer country like Mexico. Mexican kids growing up in a non-soccer country like the U.S., the the results aren't going to be there. Now, a Mexican kid growing up in Spain or in Germany or in Argentina, that's another issue. We see that with Neri Castillo, a Mexican player who was born in Mexico but grew up in Uruguay and another nation where that nation was a soccer country. They're able to grow and progress and improve in skill. I don't see that happening in the U.S. So, moving on. Uh, Chucky. Chucky game with PSV uh, playing against Barcelona. I knew it was going to be tough. A lot of people had hopes for Chucky to do well, for uh, PSV to... uh, try to put up a fight, but it didn't happen. So, uh, you know, they got blown out. Chucky, I think, uh, the, the one moment, I think, for Chucky that sort of shows um, his his inexperience and his, you know, growth that he needs to sh- to, to, to have is when he had a, a good, pretty good pass um, into, the, into the Barcelona defense with space. He showed his speed, excellent speed. It was on the right. He was beating... Uh, I forget what the defender's uh, name was, but he pretty much beat him in a foot race. And instead of 
he was at a bad angle on the very right side. Instead of trying to cut it back or trying to beat the defender, uh, he took a, a, a shot at a very bad angle. wasn't going to go in, wasn't going to cause too much problems. It would have been a super golazo if he were to make it. But um, I think that maturity and that audacity that he usually shows didn't come up there against a big team like Barcelona, where he could have cut back. He could have tried to, to juke the defender and, and get a, a better a better look at the at the goal, he didn't. He took a you know a, a really hard shot, a shot that you know it's unlikely to go in, low percentage, uh, and he missed it. So that was a you know that immediately my mind goes back to Joel, one of our guys on the podcast who uh, frequently called him or might still call him uh, Petrofrio. So Chucky and PSV, we'll see how they continue to do in the Champions League. Uh, very fun to watch him in 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 the uh, Dutch leagues. You know, Chucky tears it up. I think they blew out some random Dutch team uh, a week ago. And uh, Chucky scored, I believe, two. Eric Gutierrez scored his golazo, got an assist. So, you know, it's, it seems like, I made the comment, it seems like this uh, this Dutch league is, you know, is, it, is it the equivalent of Liga MX, Liga MX, or is it a little bit lower quality? What's going on here? Well, Chucky is blowing up in Europe, but is this really top-tier European caliber uh, league? That he is in. Let's see him go to. Oh, let's see him go to Spain. Let's see him go to a big signing for his neck. Hopefully, he continues. Hopefully, he does get a big signing and is able to improve and sh- and showcase his skills on a big stage. And then he can outshine the level of notoriety that Chicharito has gotten. I think Chicharito is uh, playing at Real Madrid and playing at Manchester United. He's been the top guy. Hugo Sanchez, of course, is probably uh, definitely more. Uh, higher level in his notoriety and goal scoring prowess with uh, Penta Pichichi and Real Madrid, but uh, uh, Chucky hopefully can you know aspire and gain that quality and notoriety that uh, Chicharito has. Uh, moving on, Tigres versus Toronto last night. Uh, this is an interesting uh, game, the Campeones Cup, of course, in Toronto. Tigre rolled out there. And they, uh, a lot of people were saying, what, you know, I, I saw a lot of tweets from Chivas fans uh, that were, you know, doubting the, the importance of this game, saying it was a, well, I, I pretty much said it was a Molero. I said it, it wasn't, you know, some friendly cup. No, some, some people were saying it's not worth watching. But, uh, at first, Toronto was was hanging in there. They they had some good possession. Uh, Tuca was you know getting a little bit upset uh, early on at the players, but eventually uh, Giovinco got hurt. Um, they pretty much lost it later on. Tigres got a golazo from Ed, uh, Duenas then got another golazo from Duenas and then an own goal. And they just, you know, they just crumbled at the end. Uh, the injury had something to do with it, I believe. Also, Altidore went out. Um, but Toronto was doing good at first, and it even showed in, in one play of frustration from uh, from a Tigres uh, midfielder, Pizarro, kicked the ball at Altidore and got him all upset. And they're about to throw down right there. But uh, a little bit of frustration. Tigres went into this game knowing that they wanted to win. They knew 
that they wanted to, you know, they couldn't let the MLS team beat them. And it showed, it showed on the, on the field immediately. Um, and, you know, they were, I'm, I'm sure they were very happy to get out of Toronto with a win. Toronto, I don't think, you know, it's not a big deal. It's going to be a forgotten game. In my opinion, the uh, CONCACAF Champions League is more important, more prestigious. And that's, you know, that's not saying much. My opinion, uh, the Club World Cup is where Chivas needs to shine. And when Mexico gets back into the Libertadores, that's the cup that needs to be brought home, that needs to be won by a Mexican league team. Uh, these other cups have been won over and over again by Mexican league teams. They're playing the United States. They're playing these small Central American countries. There's no honor. There's no, uh, there's no big deal in doing this anymore. Mexico needs to beat South American teams. Mexico needs to win South American tournaments. So, just another game, just another uh, Molero with uh, Tigres winning that cup. Nothing, you know, to write to write home to mother about. So, uh, let's look at the uh, let's look at the Jornada Diaz just coming up uh, Friday night. We got Pumas. John and I will most likely be paying attention to this Pumas Morelia game. Pumas is in second place, believe it or not, just under Cruz Azul, tied with America and Santos, and uh, they're going against Morelia. So Morelia has been a good a good team. I've been impressed with them, even though they're in twelfth spot. Uh, I really like. Uh, our man Fierro, he's uh, he's been impressive. So this might be a tough match for for Pumas. Morelia hasn't been doing too well. Um, they, I think, fell against Chivas. Uh, actually, that was in Copa MX, but they fell they fell to America. They fell to Querétaro. They tied Monterrey. Um, so they're not they're not doing too well recently, but they do have a good team. And they do have the potential to cause Pumas some problems. So that should be an interesting game to watch. The next one on Friday is America and Puebla. America should be able to handle this one uh, with not too many problems. Although Puebla, you know, can can be surprising. They can always surprise somebody, especially uh, playing at home where they have a little bit of an advantage. They were able to beat Monterrey uh, two jornadas ago. And they beat Querétaro last week. So Puebla, you know, supposedly the underdog, but you never know. Toluca against Nacaxa should be a good one. Toluca is in fifth, so expect them to do well against the Nacaxa, who's in 14th place. Then we have Tijuana against Pachuca. Tijuana uh, down there a little bit as well. Pachuca down there at 11th, Tijuana 13th. Uh, so these guys are going to be trying to uh, gain a sense of urgency to get up there in the in the standings to make Liguilla, and then finally on Saturday is Cruz Azul and Atlas. This should be a <laughs> this should be a a wash. Atlas is is horrific. They are in the very last place. They have scored one goal all season. They have not won a single game. Uh, lost seven, tied two. So expect. 
Atlas to get destroyed against the first-ranked team in Cruz Azul. So this should be a, uh, a blowout. Although, if it if it ends up Atlas winning, what a what a uh, what a failure that would be. On Sunday, Chivas against Querétaro. Chivas. Uh, well, always always want to see how Chivas is doing. You know, it's one of the bigger teams that they always say. Uh, waiting for any type of failure and expecting uh, some good results is, is is what big teams are all about. So Chivas just did get off a good win away in Monterrey, beating Pesaro and company. Chivas also uh, recently beat Atlas, although they lost to Pachuca really bad. I think it was just a one-off game where they played pretty bad against Pachuca and got destroyed 3-1. Uh, but the real quality sort of came out in uh, in the 4-2 victory over uh, Monterrey. So this Querétaro game should be a uh, sort of good measuring stick to see how they do. And, uh, uh, you know, I expect them to do pretty good against uh, against Querétaro to show, show, show their skill, um, show their real level where they're at. Uh, the next game, Santos. Santos is always good. We underestimate uh, or overestimate the the loss and the impact the loss of Giannini uh, would have, but they still have uh, plenty of players in critical spots that are that are needed to do well, and that's what, exactly what they have done. They are in fourth spot, and they are playing uh, Veracruz, who is uh, you know very very low on 16th spot, third to last. So it should be a good game for for Santos to take advantage. And then uh, also on Sunday, we have Tigres and Monterrey, Clásico Regio. This should be an exciting game. Tigres is coming off a good victory against Toronto. Uh, Monterrey is sort of on the downhill slide. They were in second place. They were at top of the table, but now they are down to sixth spot. Uh, Tigres is sort of staying in the lower, in the mid, mid-tier area. They are in seventh Um but I expect Tigres to, to do very well in this game and Monterrey to sort of be slipping uh, down and down, but, uh, but we never know. Uh, but this is a rivalry and we should see um, some good action in this game. And then finally we have Leon and Lobos Boap. Leon coming in with a, uh, a new coach in uh, Nacho Ambris. So we'll see how he does. Uh, Lobos Boap is at uh, second to last in 17th spot, Leon is in 15th. Um, so we'll see if Leon is, Leon is able to rebound. Um, uh, I really like uh, the area of Leon, so I always like following uh, how they do. And that's Hornada. Yes, that should be a a fun uh, a fun week. We got Pumas. We got stuff going on on Friday with Pumas and America playing, and then. A little mixture of some good games with Pachuca and Cruz Azul and on Saturday, and then Sunday capping off with uh, Clásico Regio, Santos, and Chivas as well. So uh, all three days of some good football. Uh, so finally, I guess just to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Twitter, uh, you can follow me on my Twitter at Beto underscore ATX. Or a lot of times I'll tweet with a cantina underscore uh, cantina mx underscore pod on uh, 
on Twitter. I usually put my initials. Uh, but yeah, let's see what we got going on. We have Chile, uh, the Mexican national team. Uh, Twitter account is announcing a twi- Mexico versus Chile match in Querétaro. That's in October 16th, so that's coming up sort of, uh, sort of soon in about three weeks. Uh, so that's that's going to be a game to look out for uh, against Chile. Let's see how they uh, they do if they do not fear La Furia from uh, from Chile. Uh, so what else do we have? Uh, the Mexican national team always has stuff to talk about with the youth. Uh, Picante, I think, is about to come on. Uh, oh, UCL. Hold on a second. The Cholos podcast. I uh, haven't fully listened to the Cholos podcast, but I recommend those guys. Uh, they tweeted that we're back on today's episode. Cesar and Francisco discuss Cholos Femenin. Analyze the 1-0 win over Cholos, Ingl- uh, Cholos English or Atlas. Preview the upcoming game versus Pachuca. Answer your mailbag questions and more. The San Diego Chronicle. And our man, our man, Rigo, says LMAO. What does that mean, man? <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? I'll have to tweet him. I'll reply why he's laughing at Sholo's podcast, dude. Why he's laughing, man. All right. My man... And as you guys may know, I'm a huge fan of Carlos Albert. His rants. He uh, never ceases to amaze. Uh, my man Nate, Mauricio Pedrosa, tweeting football, NFL. Uh, there's a lot of tweets about NFL. I just like breeze over that because I have zero interest in NFL. Uh, the, the Champions League was going on this week. Interesting to see uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo match where he, uh, you know, like grabs the head of the defender and gets a red card and then proceeds to bicker like a little baby. Uh, And it's not on tape. I don't think anyone has a video of it where he's given the red card. The video shows the ref giving the red card instead of, you know, both the red card and the reaction from Ronaldo. But it just shows the red card given. And then a few seconds later, then it shows Ronaldo, and he's on the floor on his back. He was standing up, so I want to see exactly the video of him. What did he do, just flop to the ground and and bicker and, and cry like a little baby? Or what was his, like, throwing a little fit? How did he actually fall to the ground and... and uh and cry and stuff. And then he was actually crying because he did get uh, frustrated. But he, uh, the ref ended up making it right and giving uh, giving them two penalties, and they ended up winning the game pretty handily. So no big deal. Uh, I expect, I think he might have like a three-game suspension per the rules, but I expect that to be uh, overturned 
because it was not really a penalty, not really a red card in the first place. And this is Ronaldo we're talking about. Can't be messing with the greatest player on the planet. Speaking of Messi, uh, you know, scored a hat trick against PSV. So I should be careful who I call the greatest player on the planet. Um, which I probably said because I recently watched the Ronaldo documentary on Netflix. This gives you a little uh, perspective into his his life. I recommend it. So a little bit of a Ronaldo fan. Plus, Messi fails for the national team, so... Who, uh... There's, there's room for, uh... Ragging on Messi. Okay, Nate says... Uh, the USSF would like to remind you that these kinds of articles are completely false, false, and there's absolutely nothing to see here. Well, there's nothing to there's there's been nothing to see here from any Mexican American player at any level of international football. So, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think it's a big deal. If Jonathan Gonzalez comes out to be a starter for the Mexican national team in the next World Cup or in the World Cup after that, then I'll be, okay, yes, this is the first Mexican-American to do anything. But it's like a needle in a haystack type of thing. It's not worth It's not worth it to... If you're going to find a needle in a haystack and it's going to be a Jonathan Gonzalez, then what? Why, what, what is so valuable about a Mexican-American? The obstacles are so great for a Mexican American to be great, to be good, and why are you looking for that? Why do you need to look for Mexican American talent? Just because all of us who are in the uh, Mexican and English community on Twitter and with all our podcasts uh, are Mexican Americans or speak English and are fans, and we want Mexican Americans to be represented. Uh, I, I don't really feel that I need a Mexican-American to represent Mexico. I want the best players, and if it's not going to be a Mexican-American, then so be it. The best players are Mexicans because they live in a country that is soccer-based, that is soccer is the number one sport. So be it. I don't need no representation for a Mexican-American, even though I'm a Mexican-American. Uh... My man, Ivan Fernandez, Liga MX teams do a better job of scouting players in the U.S. than MLS teams do. I know of three Liga MX teams with extensive scouting networks in the IE. Okay, if they have extensive scouting in the IE, where are the extensive, where are the number of players from IE in Liga MX? Where are they in First Division Liga MX? I want to know. I'll probably, like, reply to him on that. Any other cool Twitter stuff? Landon Donovan, see you there. San Diego, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, did you guys see Conor McGregor show? A press conference? My gosh, that dude's crazy. Conor McGregor and... uh, uh, 
Khabib Nurmagomedov fighting October 6th. I'll be in Louisville talking about that, watching it. So I have to find a place to to watch the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. He's a, he's a clown. McGregor is just a clown. He talks some good smack, though. I'll tell you that much. Um, oh, saludos to Johnny Baltimore, who was on the chat. Not sure if he is anymore. He says arriba las Chivas. Yep, lots of Chivas fans. Uh, NFL, NFL. Today's Thursday night, NFL. The Browns. Who cares? Uh, The Browns. The Browns is filling up my feed, man. Oh, jeez. Shout out to Patty from Foot Next Nation. She has her week, her game of the week, and says, "Can we guess what it's going to be?" Uh, I recorded my video of that. I will publish that out tomorrow. You guys ever watch Leaders de Rebaño? Uh, they work in it. They're doing their thing. In Guadalajara, covering Chivas. Um, La manita de Jaime, de James. James. <laughs> James Rodriguez. I can kind of tell the difference, but it doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, everybody. Hopefully next week we will have a bigger cast. Joel and I are planning on doing some uh, during the day podcasting. So we're going to have more than one podcast a week. Hopefully like a Monday or a Tuesday or whenever a big uh, news, uh, big news comes out, we will try to get a podcast immediately after to analyze it or probably before stuff as well. In addition to our Thursday nights. So we're going to go live probably during the day on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, depends on the news cycle. And then we will go uh, on our Thursday night's regularly scheduled shows. Uh, Chivas del Norte, shout out to those dudes. Um, they, <laughs> they, uh, they retweeted that Sholos podcast tweet and said interesting with a thinking uh, emoji. And a laughing tiered emoji. I think. I think they're making fun of. Uh, football feminine. Being covered. My friends. That could be wrong. But why are they going to do that man? Why are they making fun of the women's doing their thing? Uh, maybe because nobody. Really is uh, interested or, or really watches that. I think uh, one guy said, uh, um, I forget one guy. One guy tweeted about that women's coverage needs to be more extensive and more uh, whatever you know be covered. The, oh, the women's game needs to be covered more, or, or like a good. They got a good fan base, a good you know good fans at one of the games, uh, a good amount of fans, and uh, and I said. Uh, 
I think I replied, how, how much are the tickets? And some dude replied to me and said, sometimes they give them out for free. So, so there you go. You got to pay like, like uh, 300 pesos, 500 pesos for a Liga MX game. And then you go to Liga MX Femenil and you get it going for free. Good time, good time to watch some soccer with the family. Um, Líderes del Rebaño. What is up with that? Those guys, man, this, that, uh, those fans uh, in the Monterrey Chivas game in Monterrey, man, they were, okay, group of Chivas fans. This dude just stands up. He's like probably my size, man. It's not intimidating. Skinny little dude. He's probably totally drunk. And stands in front of four Chivas fans next right next to one Chivas fan yelling kissing his crest on his jersey a reading from Monterrey Rayados right in their face just provoking him and eventually blows are thrown and this guy's like totally drunk and like flailing all over um they throw drinks at the Chivas they were just pretty much surrounded but they were uh you know, they were holding their ground. It's just like five of them against a whole horde of Monterrey dudes. You'd think the Monterrey guys would, like, d- uh, dominate them. But, um, you know, they were, they were safe. Security eventually came in. Uh, I thought it could have been a lot worse. Who cares about the Lakers? Who cares about LeBron? Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time and always will be. Uh, what else do we got up in here, my friends? That's about it. So I'm going to wrap this thing up, dudes. Just a quick little show. One-man show for tonight. Next uh, next time, maybe we'll get some more dudes. And once Holo gets back from his European vacation, we can uh, do a midweek or early week during the day live show while you guys are at work. So thanks for tuning in. Talk to you guys later. Have a good evening.